Brother Hernan. It's a blessing to be here. Um, there is still a little bit of a debate whether or not we're going to go. Uh, my girls are saying they don't want to go. And, um, and, I, and I think my wife and I could second that we don't want to go, but I know there's things I need to do. So, uh, But we have had a great time. And I can't really, I don't know what would be our greatest um, uh, takeaway from, uh, from all of this, being in Sydney. Um, I think from, from just the, the standpoint of Australia, uh, the country is beautiful. Uh, one of the things, the people are so quiet. <laughs> you know, everybody's quiet. You get on the train and nobody's saying anything. And I was on the train the other day, Pastor Skelly got on a phone call, he's just talking away on the phone, and I'm noticing, like, Australians, like, looking at him, like, you know, and he just, you know, he's just talking away and using his hands, you know how Brother Skelly does, you know, he's, you know, he's doing this. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, the, the, other, the other train riders were not happy about that, but, uh, and even my wife and I kept noticing, we were, like, nudging to her, like, he needs to be quiet, you know? Um, but uh, it's just been such a joy. And I'll tell you one thing, though, uh, that I think rises above everything. Uh, just being, just, just watching Southland and watching Faith, uh, the young adults in, um, in a unison, in unity, the spirit of camaraderie, one heart, one mind. It, it, that was just a joy. And, and I think it stems from something that's, that's even greater that exists in so many of the people in both of these churches, and that is a spirit of generosity. There's, there is a spirit of generosity. Everybody, everybody is looking for ways to give and ways to do. Uh, and our families notice that, and we've been recipients of that. I mean, I, f everything from eating to uh, just what can we do, how can we help, what what does your family need? It just it's been it's been overwhelming. Uh, we've walked through the last few days, and I have to just keep reminding myself to close my mouth. You know, first of all, because if I keep my mouth open long enough, somebody's going to put some food in it. But I'm just walking around just, you know, my mouth open, just in awe of, uh, of all that God has done here. And it's just been a joy. And I want to thank you uh, for your investment. And I want to say to all the young adults, uh, I'm encouraged leaving here. I am encouraged at what, what lies ahead uh, for these churches. Uh, it just, to see so many young adults serving the Lord in this church, it is, it is a huge encouragement. Uh, and I can see down the road, we, Pastor, Pastor and I talked about this with Brother Skelly last night and Brother Naranjan, and we, we talked about the future of where, what, what really is, is taking place and the potential in the TNS and that it's not only just life-changing, it's church-changing, it's country-changing. And there is, there is a massive impact. Uh, but what our brother said earlier, there is a devil 
and he's seeking whom he may devour. And as hard as we've been working and the Lord's been working uh, to encourage you in the Lord, the devil's going to be working overtime to, to do everything he can. And so let's keep our guard up. Uh, let's stay in prayer. Let's stay on our knees. Stay humble. Keep our heads down. And, um, and just be ready to, uh, to do what God wants us to do. Amen? And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing down the road great, great and mighty things from these last few days. Uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 15. We're going to do a b little Bible study tonight. I appreciate you coming out on Wednesday night. Um, I often say this in our church. Sunday morning, the people who come Sunday morning, those are the people who like the pastor. They love the pastor. They like to hear him preach. They enjoy being with the pastor. But they don't like him enough to come back on Sunday night. The people who come on Sunday night, they love the church. They, they, they really love the fellowship, the camaraderie, and all that's going on in the church. But the people who hear our Wednesday night faithfully, I really believe they love the Lord. And they've caught the heart of all of this. And... Uh, this is the core. When, when people ask me about my church, I, I always think of our Wednesday night crowd. That's really the church. I mean, now our church is packed on Sunday morning, but uh, the church is that Wednesday night faithful fellowship. They're there to pray together. They're there when uh, it, was, it was rainy and windy and cold and hot and miserable, and they wanted to stay home and sit in the recliner, and they came to church to hear me teach a Bible study, but they weren't coming to hear me. They were coming to hear from the Lord. And uh, I, wanna, I just want to encourage you and thank you for being faithful to the Lord on Wednesday night and uh, how important that is. Uh, look in your Bibles tonight, John chapter 15. And uh, I by no means, uh, by, uh, by no means am I the Lord, okay? And I have no idea what it must be like uh, and what Jesus must have felt like in these chapters. But Jesus was about to leave. And tomorrow morning, we're about to leave. And there's been a great uh, work in our hearts done. And our hearts have been knit with your hearts. And we're leaving friends. And as Jesus was about to leave, he was, he was giving this set in the setting. He's up in the upper room with the disciples. Judas has left. He's on his way to go. Uh, betray Jesus, and he's sitting there with the 11, and he institutes with them the Lord's Supper. He breaks the bread, gives the cup, and then he begins to talk to them. And it, isn't it interesting? That's what men do. Men will get together, we'll eat, and there's not a whole lot said except pass that and pass that. But after men eat, they like to just sit back and talk. That's when men really talk. And it's after a meal. And Jesus has this meal with the disciples, and then they just sit back, and he just talks. And he begins to give them, and of course, John 14, in verse 1, uh, the great, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will what? I will come again. And receive you, doubtless, doubtless I will come again and receive you unto myself, that, that where I am, there ye may be also. And uh, what, a, what a joy 
to see the Lord Jesus talking to his disciples, but he's saying, I'm going away. And when I go away, I don't want your heart to be troubled, uh, but I'm leaving. But then he says something very interesting. He's telling them that he's leaving. He's going away, and then he says something in John 15 and verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Now watch what he says. For without me, ye can do what? For without me, ye can do what? Now, now do you really believe that? Jesus said to the church, without me, you can do nothing. Now, he said, you, you might call it preaching, but if it's done without me, it's nothing. You, you might call it being a husband, but without me, you're doing nothing. You might call it parenting, but without me, it is nothing. And here Jesus is teaching his disciples that without him, they can do absolutely nothing. Nothing, And I want to say uh, that unless we understand this and have this attitude in the church, we will do a lot of things, but we will accomplish nothing. And Jesus is telling his disciples, here's what he says. I mean, if you think about it, here's what he's saying. I'm leaving. I'm going away. And without me, you can accomplish nothing. I'm leaving. You're staying, and whatever you do without me is nothing. Now you say, what, what sense does that make? Well, if you're a student of the Bible, you know John 14, and John 15, and John 16 is Jesus trying to explain the ministry of who? The Holy Spirit. He's explaining the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, can I, tell you, can I tell Southland Baptist Church something tonight? You know what every young adult in this church needs? You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. This church needs to be filled with the Spirit of God. So much of what we're doing today as, as Christians is apart from the indwelling and filling of the Spirit of God. And what Jesus said is, if you do it without me, you've done nothing. You might call it Christian living. You might call it separated living, but if it's done without me, it's nothing. I mean, there are people in this world that live far more dedicated religious lives than we do. And yet, what are they accomplishing? Nothing. And uh, so oftentimes, if we're not careful, our Christianity can become a form of religion that we follow. And it's not empowered, and it's not glorifying, and it's not effective to reach the world because it's done apart from the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, I'm going away. And if I go away, without me, you can do nothing. So I am sending the Holy Spirit. Let me give you four things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. And by these four things, you and I can ask ourselves tonight, am I filled with the Spirit of God? Am I filled? These are four tests that Jesus gave us. These are four evidences of the Spirit of God in a person's life. 
and we can look at these, not in our neighbor's life, you know, not in my life, not in the pastor's life, we can look at that in our own lives, and we can ask ourselves, okay, am I filled with the Spirit of God? John chapter 14, verse number 16. John 14 and verse 16. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. Now watch this. I will come to you. Notice those words. He said, I'm going away, but I'm going to pray the Father that he'll send the comforter to you. And the comforter will abide with you and eventually will be in you. And he said, now I want you to understand something. I will come to you. Now, I want you to see in this passage of Scripture what Jesus is teaching here, that first of all, the Holy Spirit of God, you say, well, Brother Miller, is it the Holy Spirit or is it Jesus? Is he going to send the Spirit to us or is it going to be Jesus coming to us? Because he said, I'm going to send the Comforter and I will come to you. Is it Jesus or the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. Yes. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was active as a presence with men. But in the New Testament, he is an indwelling person in men. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. Didn't he? But in the New Testament, God has a people for his temple. And he indwells us. He comes to live within us. So <laughs> Jesus teaches us right here that the, <laughs> excuse me, the first mark of the Holy Spirit is that he restores the presence of Jesus in us. Let's all say that together. You ready? He restores the presence of Jesus in us. That's his first ministry is to restore the presence of Christ in you. <coughs> Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit He's going to come to you, and Jesus said, and I will come to you. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is a person of the Trinity, okay? He's not just a force. He's not just, a, he's not just some kind of a, of a power. He is a person. But listen to this very carefully. Jesus, is, the Holy Spirit, is Christ in the Christian. The Holy Spirit is Christ in the Christian. Now, you know, many of us say, many of us say, well, you know, uh, we're all made in the image of God. No, we're not. No, we're not. People say, no, 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 no. We're all made in the image of God. No, we're not. Look around. God is not in this shape. <laughs> and let me say it again. We're not in the image of God. God's not in this condition. You see, in the Bible, in the, New in the Old Testament, when, the Bible, when God said he made man, he made man in his image after his likeness. But then man fell into sin. And the Bible says specifically in Genesis chapter 4, then Adam had a son in his own image after his own likeness. Thank you. He had a son after his own image, after his own likeness. This is what 
necessitated being born again. Because man had the, the presence of God in him. Man had a spirit. He was made a body, a soul, and a spirit. The body gave man the ability to interact with the world beneath him. The soul gave man the ability to interact with the world around him. And the spirit gave man the ability to interact with the world above him. But when man fell, the spirit died. And when man died, listen, God didn't lie. In the day ye eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. In the day you eat of that tree, you're going to die. God didn't lie. Adam and Eve died spiritually. They died instantly. They died progressively in their soul. They died eventually in their body. You know what's great about salvation? Is that in salvation, God reversed that order. Because when I got saved, I was made alive instantly in my spirit. I'm growing in Jesus. I'm becoming more alive progressively in my soul. And I will eventually be made alive in my body. It will be resurrected and redeemed. Isn't that wonderful? Salvation reversed the fall. So Jesus said, now look, you don't have a spirit within you. You used to. When Adam walked with me in the garden, my spirit was in him. But when he died, that was taken away. But I'm going to send my spirit back to you to restore the presence of Jesus in you. Think about that. The Holy Spirit's job in his ministry is to bring Jesus alive in you. Look, look at a couple of words here in this passage of Scripture. Number one, look at the word abide. Verse number 16, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comfort that he may abide with you forever. That word abide means to dwell permanently. He is going to abide with you. He's going to live with you. He's going to dwell in you permanently forever. He uses another word here uh, where he says, I'm going to give you another comforter. You see the word another right there? Another. There are two meanings for the word another. One meaning is another of a different kind. You know, somebody said, hey, I, I, I want to wear this shirt. No, 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 bring me another one, a different one of the same kind. There's another meaning for that, and that is another of the same kind. And that's what that word right here means, another comforter, which is another of the same kind. For instance, okay, we could say uh, somebody's going to have, I want, I want some transportation. Well, that could mean a bike or a horse. Okay, those are another of a different kind, right? But, but when he said another comforter, he said, I'm sending you a comforter that's, that's another of the same kind. He said, I'm sending you another form of me to live in you. So the Holy Spirit then is Christ in the Christian. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. Jesus said, I will come to you. So it's the Lord Jesus in the life of the Christian. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. So when the Holy Spirit comes into you, then uh, that is Jesus coming in, right? And so here we find, even though they're distinct in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when you have Christ in you, you have the Holy Spirit in you. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have Christ in you. 
And what a joy it is to know that when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to restore the presence of Jesus in you. Can I tell you something right here? Don't miss this. God's great plan of salvation was not primarily to get you out of this earth and into heaven. God's great plan of salvation primarily was to get Jesus out of heaven and into you. If it was to get us to, if it was just solely for us to go to heaven when we die, when we got saved, we would go to heaven when we die. But God didn't want to just get us out of earth into heaven. He wanted to get Jesus out of heaven and into you so that the world through you could know him. So the Holy Spirit-filled Christian is now somebody with Jesus living presently in them. Isn't that wonderful? Let me give you very quickly number two. Look at verse number 26. Verse 26. He says in verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. This is very interesting. I don't know in Sydney if you have an issue with the charismatics like we have in the States. Hmm? But it's interesting that the charismatics, they talk about Jesus and they elevate the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that what they talk about is what the Holy Spirit gives them. And so their tongues and their manifestation of all their gifts are about the Holy Spirit rather than about Jesus. So in other words, in a lot of charismatic movement, really, if you boil it all down, in the charismatic movement, Jesus is a means to the Spirit. But in true Christianity, the Spirit is a means to Christ. Notice what he says in verse 26. He says in verse 26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name. He's not coming in his own name. He's coming in my name. So if he's in you, it has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It has everything to do with Jesus. He said, not only that, not only is that he coming in my name, but he's going to teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So what the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your heart and mind is not his own words or a gift of some unknown tongue. He's going to bring to you what Jesus has said. And what Jesus has said is not a bunch of jibber-jabber. What Jesus has said is very, very clear. And so what is the Holy Spirit's role here? What is Jesus teaching us here? First of all, his role was to restore the presence of Jesus in you. His second, his second role here is to represent the person of Jesus in us. To represent the person of Jesus in us. All right, He restores the presence of Jesus. Now he represents the person of Jesus in us. Everybody with me on that? All right, He represents. Notice the word comforter here. The word comforter uh, is the word paraclete. The Greek word paraclete, which is called alongside of to help. Uh, it's the same exact word in 1 John 2, 1, when he says we have an advocate with the Father. All right? It is a person called alongside of you to help you. What does a lawyer do? What does a lawyer do? A lawyer comes and stands alongside of you in court and represents you before the judge. He speaks on your behalf. He tells you, don't say that. Let me say what you need to say. 
Okay, before you answer this question, this is what I'm going to advise my client to say. What does that guy do? He represents you. He knows what you need to say before the judge, and he knows what he needs to say uh, to the judge for you. Is right? So the Holy Spirit becomes what Jesus is doing right now for me in heaven. The Holy Spirit is doing in me for Christ. Jesus is speaking to the judge on my behalf. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me on Jesus' behalf. What a joy to know that we have the very representative of Jesus Christ in us. The Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ and makes them known to me. What does that mean? Listen very carefully. Hey, how do you know that you're filled with the Spirit? The Holy Spirit makes Jesus real to you. He makes Jesus real to you. He personifies Christ in your life. Think about this. One of the great passages of scriptures that we always read at funerals. Right? What do we read at funerals? 1 Corinthians 2. I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered in the heart of man the things that God prepared. We talk about heaven. That has nothing to do with heaven. In fact, in fact, real quick, let's run back there. We just got a few minutes. Let's run back there very quickly, okay? Everybody still with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard nor, e- nor either into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. You say, man, he's talking about heaven. Man, we haven't ever seen. We can't even imagine how good heaven is. It's not what it's talking about. Look at verse number 10. But God hath revealed them the things that he's prepared for us. He's revealed them unto us By his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Let me just tell you something. You can't get any deeper than Jesus. You can't get spiritually deeper than Jesus. And he said, God's revealed the deep things of himself and what he's prepared for us. He has revealed them to us by his spirit. Look at verse number number 11. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Okay, look, as hard as we, I mean, I know people are crazy today about their pets. People are crazy about their pets. I mean, you know, in America, more money is spent on pet food than on foreign missions. Okay? I mean, people are crazy about their pet. Are you crazy about your pet? You got a pet? What do you got? Yeah, little staffies, yeah. Staffy? Staffy, little staffy. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but let me tell you something. People are crazy about their pets. We've got pets. We got a little, we got a schneagle. It's a mix between a schnauzer and a beagle. It's called a schneagle. Actually, it's the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> but people are crazy about pets. Now, I don't care how, I don't care how much you talk to your pets. And how much you pets think that you understand them and that they understand you. I mean, I, I hear people talk, hey, Boopsie, do you want to go for a ride? And like the dog's like, yeah, I'd like to get in the back seat if I could and, you know, buckle up and see the city. That dog doesn't know what you're talking about. Some of you saying, my dog knows. <laughs> now listen, now look, that's what he's saying right now. My dog knows. My staffy knows what I'm saying. Now, I'm just going to tell you something right now. 
There is a level of communication that you can have your pet, but nothing, that pet cannot understand the ways of man. If you tried to sit down and explain opera to a pet, it couldn't understand it. If you tried to sit down and explain algebra to a pet or how taxes work or why we go to work every day. I mean, when you get up in the morning and you leave for work, that dog just, that staffy just at the door like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? And when you walk in, he's just been standing there like, oh, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? All day. Then when you walk in, he's like, ah! And you're like, oh, he's so happy to see me. No, he's like, oh, there he is, you know? That dog had no idea that you went to work, had no idea what taxes are and income is and what it means, or what an opal card is. Those, do those dogs don't know anything about the way of man. The only thing that understands man is man. Because I have a spirit of a man, I understand the ways of humanity. And then he says, and just like that, look what he says. Verse number, verse number 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man that is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. A dog has no more of a way to understand the complexity of human life than you and I have understanding the complexity of God. But then God turns around and puts that spirit in us so we can know him. <laughs> that we can know him. He is the representative of the person of Jesus in me. You know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit takes the deep things of God and makes them real to me. Hey, are you filled with the Spirit tonight? Does the Spirit of God make Jesus real to you? Does he make him known to you? Does he open up God's mind and his word in your life? Hey, you and I can understand God by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. So the first thing is he restores the presence of, of Jesus in us. He represents the person of Jesus in us. Now look at verse number 26 again in John 14. The very last one, he shall teach you all things. All things about what? All things about God. The deep things of God. Holy Spirit will teach you that. Verse number 26, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The third thing the Holy Spirit will do is he will remind you of the promises of Jesus. He will remind you. He will bring to your mind the promises of Jesus. Now, let me just touch on this very quickly. This is the subconscious ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in fact, listen to this verse right here. You can jot it down in your notes if you're taking notes. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse number 4. Listen to this. Isaiah 50 and verse 4. This is a prophecy of this. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. God opens your ear, wakes your ear up to hear so that you know what to say, so you know what to do. It's interesting to know the subconscious work of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this verse, Luke chapter 12 and verse 11. Uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse 11 and 12. He says, and when they bring you into the synagogues, into the magistrates and powers, take you no thought uh, how or what you, things you shall answer, uh, or what you shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. 
Now, there are some preachers that have taken that as a reason not to study. You know, in the South, I hear that. I, in the South, I'll go to preachers' meetings, and I mean, our preachers will stand up. Now, dear God, I ain't prepared. I ain't studied a lick. I ain't got no idea what I'm going to say right now. But God, I'm going to open my mouth wide and you fill it. And I'm thinking, oh boy. <laughs> that is not what he was meaning right there. That man got done preaching and we all knew he did not prepare, he did not study. And he opened his mouth wide. <laughs> but I don't know that the Lord filled it. Uh, but here's, here's what the Lord's teaching. That the, the Holy Spirit has a ministry that as he fills our life, he brings to your mind the precious promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would put you in remembrance of what Jesus said. And he would give, if you give him a prominent place, He'll bring to your mind the word of God. Uh, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Uh, what does the Holy Spirit do? He reminds you of what Jesus says. And how important is that, church? The Bible talks about in the book of Ephesians, and the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. When we fill our hearts and minds with the word of God, the Holy Spirit takes those things and brings them to mind, and wields them as daggers and swords that we can hear the voice of Jesus Christ. So he, he comes to us and uh, represents Christ to us. He reminds us of the promise of Jesus. Let me give you the last thing over in chapter 16. Look over in chapter 16. Everybody still with me? All right. Chapter 16, we got about two minutes. Chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And this is this whole time, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, Jesus has been trying to explain to the disciples the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he said. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. It's best. It's good for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now what is he saying here? Here's what he's saying. He said, look, it's best for you that I go away so I can send the Spirit to you and the Spirit is gonna have a ministry different than my ministry. Because Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he comes to judge the world, to reprove the world of its sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Uh, what does he do? What does that mean? It is the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Here's what it is. He comes to release the power of Jesus through us. All right, let's say that together. To Release the power of Jesus through us. Listen, when Jesus came, he, he came in this world and walked around as a man filled with the Spirit of God. Jesus went about doing good. He did all those things that pleased the Father. But he said, now it's good for you that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit to you so that Jesus, so that Jesus can live in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can release that power through the life of the believer. Listen, 
I'm telling you, so many of us tonight do not have that convicting life. That convicting life. Our life ought to, listen, have, have you, ever, you ever been around people and you're trying to care for them and love them and be compassionate? They're lost. And you're trying to be kind to them, but they don't want anything to do with you because you always are judging me. You make me feel bad about myself. Have you ever, have you ever had, anybody ever experienced that? Where unbelievers don't want to be around you because they, they think that you make them feel bad about themselves. And you've never even said anything about their sin. I mean, you didn't condemn them. You didn't say anything. You just, just by your presence, you make them feel bad about themselves. What is that? That's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, what it is, listen, if Christ lives in you, if the Holy Spirit's in you, when you walk into a room full of lost people, you just brought the light in. And it's like, it's like roaches in the dark. Hey, wait a minute. When somebody turns on the light, they got to run. That's why it's very, that's why it's sometimes as a Christian it can be very difficult. It can be hurtful because people reject you, but they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ in you because there's a power in you that they can't understand. And they look at you like, now listen, a Christian should never have a condemning spirit. But if he has the spirit of Christ, he will have a convicting spirit. By the way, those are two different things. Let me just say this. Jesus did not come in the world to condemn the sinner. And Jesus did not come in this world to condone the sinner. What did he do? He came to confront the sinner. He confronted the sinner with his sin and with who he was. I mean, remember Jesus at the well? He's, at, he's with the woman at the well, and uh, he's talking to her. And she said, yeah, we, we worship in this mountain, you worship in that mountain. But, you know, Jesus said, look, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. Oh, that's right, you don't. You have five. The guy you're living with now is not your husband at all. She's like, how did you know that? And Jesus just begins to give her the gospel. She left her water pot there. Now listen, uh, what, there's a great truth in that, but Jesus did not condemn that woman. He didn't condone what she did, but he confronted her. I want to say as a Christian, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we do not go in this world to condemn the world. We certainly don't go in the world to condone the world. We just go out with the power of Christ in us and it confronts the world. We confront the world with the gospel. That's what we do with the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus was telling his disciples, look, it's good for you that I go away because I'm gonna send the spirit, he's gonna go with you and you're gonna go out. He said, I'm sending you into battle, but I'm going with you. I'm going with you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to tell you tonight, church, we do not depend on our ability. We do not depend on our logic. Listen, that man that you're sitting with on the train, you cannot logic that man to Christ. You know, so many times we as Christians, we, we, want, to try to, we want to try to debate or to argue or to convince. You can't. Without Christ, you can do nothing. You can't convince them. You cannot logic them. You cannot, uh, you don't, you can't, you can't use your power of persuasion. You can't use soul winning like a used car salesman. We're to depend on the Holy Spirit power of Jesus Christ in us. And that power of the Holy Spirit, he, rep, he releases that power in us. Look, I really believe that we can see scores of people coming to Christ. 
every single week in our church if our church members lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about the first church. Think about the first church. Jesus said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be what? Witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. Look what happened to that church when they were all in one accord, in one heart, in one mind, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Look what happened. Thousands were saved. You know, we think, we always talk about the 3,000 in Acts chapter 2. What about, what about the 5,000 in Acts 4? What about the 8,000 in Acts 6? I mean, you're talking about by the time you get to Acts 6, Josephus, by the, by the time you get to Acts 8, Josephus, the Jewish historian, said that the first church of Jerusalem had over 100,000 members. Over 100,000 members. They were daily seeing people saved. And by the way, I hear missionaries talk about, well, man, I just am in a very hard area. Well, look, are there sinners there? Yes, then it's a hard area. But I don't think any of us could get into a harder area than the very city that just crucified Jesus 50 days ago. That's a tough sell. Hey, you remember that man you saw crucified? Yeah, well, I'm here to tell you. Uh, he wants to save you. He couldn't even save himself. No, he rose from the dead. You know, they're trying to give the gospel in that city. And yet 100,000 people in a short amount of time came to the knowledge of Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit released the power of Jesus in those disciples. They took witness of them that they had been with Jesus. When they saw spirit-filled men standing there, the Bible says they could say nothing against them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had come and restored the presence of Jesus in them. And now he was releasing the power of Christ in them. He was bringing to their mind the things that Jesus had taught them. And they were preaching with boldness and with power. Hey, can I tell you something, church? Are we spirit-filled? Are we spirit-filled? I want to be. I pray that you want to be. And thank, thank, thanks to Calvary, we can be. Amen? Let's be spirit-filled Christians. Let's reach our world for Christ. Father, we thank you for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you will put to mind every Christian at Southland Baptist Church to be spirit-filled, yielded, open, filled with the power of Christ, that, Lord, everywhere we go, we would not represent ourselves, but that the Spirit of God would represent Christ. He would release the power of Jesus Christ in us. Lord, I pray today that you'll challenge each of these young adults to live spirit-filled. Without you, we can do nothing, nothing. I pray tonight we would know what it is to be strengthened with your might by your spirit in the inner man. Use us, I pray, in these last days in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.